Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Burt's Books podcast. It has been such a busy week this week that I haven't even had time to write a script and I am partly going winging this all off script because uh, I've not got very long to record and edit before Strictly starts and it's about the only time I'm going to have a chance to. Uh, I have uh, sent out lots and lots of people's books this week. There's still more to go but it's mostly now just Secret Santas so if you signed up for that yours will be on its way. They're all sat here in lots and lots of boxes waiting for me to wrap them up. I think this week has possibly been the busiest week since uh, since Burt's Books began. And uh, yeah, I could do with a nice lie down and a big glass of wine. So let's just get straight on with the podcast. So I thought I would start off this week by finally reading Shuggy Bane. Uh, this book was the prize winning it won the book prize it's topped lots of people's books of the year um so many people have told me that i should be reading it that i thought maybe now is the finally the time to give it a go if you haven't uh, read it yet and you want to know what it's about well here is the blurb it is 1981 glasgow is dying and good families must grift to survive agnes bain has always expected more from life she dreams of greater things, a house with its own front door, and a life bought and paid for outright, like her perfect but false teeth. But Agnes is abandoned by her philandering husband, and soon she and her three children find themselves trapped in a decimated mining town. As she descends deeper into drink, the children try their best to save her, yet one by one they must abandon her to save themselves. It is her son Shuggy who holds out hope the longest. Shuggy is different. Fastidious and fussy, he shares his mother's sense of snobbish propriety. The miners' children pick on him and adults condemn him as not right. But Shuggy believes that if he tries his hardest, he can be normal like the other boys and help his mother escape this hopeless place. So it actually starts off in uh, 1991 with Shuggy Bain as a 15, 16 year old. He's living on his own in the centre of Glasgow in a little room in like a bed sit somewhere. There's other men, single men living in the same place. Uh, a couple have seemed to have taken a, an interest in him, although it's not abundantly clear what is happening there. And then we go back to 1981. We see the start of uh Shuggy's life. Uh, well, not the start. He's about four or five when we meet him. And we see his mum leaving uh, the home that she shares with her parents and her husband, Shug Bain, Shug Junior, Shug Senior, sorry. And, and they end up in this mining town with his older sister and older brother. This really should be called Agnes Bain. It's all about her, uh, rather than Shuggy. Um, it's about, I guess, it's, it, I mean, it ends up being about the relationship between the two of them, but it is more about her and her struggle with alcoholism. And I was about maybe two-thirds of the way through this, and I was thinking, do you know what? I am enjoying it, but I am not loving it. I mean, I, I can see it's very well written, but it wasn't 
it wasn't dragging me into the story. It wasn't, I felt like an observer rather than I was living it. And I think some of the best books I've read are ones where I felt I've been living the story along with the characters. This one felt like there was a sheer pane of glass between me and them. And I was just observing what was going on. It wasn't until a certain moment when when uh, Agnes starts drinking again at one at a certain point that I, I, I felt engaged. I, I was... I was very much sort of, oh, Agnes, what are you doing? And I realised I cared about her more than I cared about any of the other characters. I, I mean, it's called Shuggy Bane, but I didn't really engage with this young boy. Uh, I didn't connect with him in in the life that he was living. And I felt sorry for him, but it he only really came to life for me later on when he was sort of connecting again with his brother, Leek, and I thought that was an interesting relationship that didn't get really explored very much. I mean, obviously, part of it as well is Shuggy's very young throughout all of this. He, he's 15 by the time the book ends. And we sort of see the decade leading up to that. Uh, and obviously, for some parts of it, he's just not really aware of what's going on or he's not completely on board with everything. He doesn't quite understand. Uh, and then there are things that he understands all too well uh yeah i liked it but i this is gonna sound weird this is one of those books where i mean it was 448 pages but it feels like to me that for this book to be called shuggy bane it was leading up to more and i could have i would have quite happily had another 200 300 pages just to explore his life a little bit further, a little bit longer. As it is, this feels like it's act one of this boy's life. And it was very well written and it really sort of kept my interest. But I didn't, I, I gotta say, I didn't love it. It wasn't up there for me in terms of the engagement. And I feel sorry for him. And I feel sorry for Agnes. But it was only towards the end that I really felt I'm getting these characters now. I, I really need to see what happens to them. Uh, so it's a shame. I feel I feel like I would have liked more. There was a lot of bits where it felt like it was just treading the same ground. Um, and I guess that's probably part of the relationship that we have with addiction as, as humans that we do end up making the same mistakes over and over again uh, and I guess what changed was that Shuggy was slightly older each time it happened but we saw it so much from other people's point of view from Agnes's point of view from Chug Senior's point of view uh, and then it just kind of all ended um, I won't reveal much more than that but it's it's an interesting it's interesting how Shuggy ends up on his own in that house in Glasgow and I can't I really do want to know what he does next because there feels like something else is about to happen. There's obviously his sister Catherine, she's still out there, there's his brother Leek, he's still out there. There's some there's more to tell with this story and I want to know it. So I don't often say this about books, um, but I would quite happily have a sequel to this one, which in in a way sounds like a good thing, but 
for me, it's because these story, this this these character stories aren't finished. That there's more happening, and I wanted this book to be longer. It felt like we'd just got the beginning and the middle of a story, and I want more. The one thing, the one thing, and it mentions it in the blurb that got me all the way through that I just couldn't stop thinking about because it it happens to Agnes, it happens to Leek, was these false teeth. So they. They have this weakness in their family, they say, where their teeth just aren't very good. So they have them removed and they end up with falsies. And Leek is a young man when he has his just gone. They're taken out and he's got false teeth for the rest of his life. And I just... Leek was fascinating to me as a character. He would go away and he'd hide off and he'd leave the family because he just couldn't be in that home anymore. And... I would have loved to have found out more about him as well. So, yeah, Shuggy Bane by Douglas Stewart. It's it's good, but I wanted more, and I want more. So, um, Douglas Stewart, if you are listening, please write a sequel to Shuggy Bane. But in the meantime, I will read whatever it is that you write next. Uh, if you would like to get your hands on a copy of Shuggy Bane, it is available to order on burtsbooks.co.uk right now. And you've probably got just about enough time for me to get a couple of copies in and out by the 18th of December. Uh, So you might just be able to get it just before Christmas. Welcome to the second semi-final of Pagemaster. The contestants this week are second place, fourth place and sixth place. We've got Eleanor, Tracy and Sarah. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hello. Hello. You're all looking very nervous. (laughs) (laughs) but don't worry it's all fine so uh the first round uh what we're going to do is there were 140 questions from all of the page master rounds that were answered incorrectly this year i've selected some at random and we're going to go through them uh, (laughs) to see how well how well uh, you've either learned or listened or not listened in fact (laughs) <laughs> uh, they're, at, they're in a random order so it could, you could get any question you could even get a question that you had before so um, we're going to start the way we're going to start we're going to start with Eleanor then Tracy then Sarah so in the order you were on the leaderboard and uh, the first person who gets three wrong will be eliminated if two people or more get three wrong on the same go it will go to a tie break if you're ready we will begin Eleanor. The detective duo Daisy Wells and Hazel Wong feature in which series of books? I can't even come up with a reasonable answer. (laughs) It's Murder Most Unladylike by Robin Stevens. Tracy. Question two. Which nationwide bookseller has headquarters in London and Swindon? Penguin. It's W.H. Smith. Sarah, question, your first question. Which author is sometimes known as Robert Galbraith? J.K. Rowling. That is the correct answer. Eleanor, your second question. Which book was voted in 2019 by Twitter users the Burt's Books Book of the Year? 
Testaments? It was The Two Lives of Louis and Louise by Julie Cohen. Tracy, your second question. Which last name links the first names Peter, Henry and Marlon? Sorry? James. James is the correct answer. They're all authors. Sarah, your second question. The first Thursday in March is traditionally the date of which celebration of reading? World Book Day? That is the correct answer. Eleanor, your third question, and you need to get this right to stay. I know. In which book would you find the characters Willem, Jude, Malcolm, and JB? This has not fallen well for me at all. Um, Catcher in the Rye. It's a Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. Unfortunately, that means that uh, yep. you're out, so the others can't get free in this round, so you're you're out. Um, but thank you for playing. The final round, you will take it in turn, Sarah and Tracy, to name a certain answer to a specific category. So a bit like how we did in the first rounds. You're going to take it in turns. If one of you, if, uh, one of you gets it wrong, and the other one gets it wrong, then we carry on. If one of you gets one wrong and the other one gets it right, then that person has won and goes through to the final. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. I want you to tell me any shortlisted or winning title from the Costa Book Awards from 1995 onwards. There are 400 possible answers. <laughs> Tracy, I'm going to start with you. Oh, I'll say goodbye now. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, let's go for Wolf Hall. Wolf Hall is a correct answer. It was shortlisted for the Costa Novel Award in 2009. Sarah. I mean, with so many to choose from, and I can barely think of any books, but I'm going to guess The Salt Path might be wrong. <laughs> the Salt Path is correct. It was shortlisted for the Biography Award in 2018. Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, let's go along the same line then. Bringing Up Bodies. Bringing Up the Bodies is an incorrect answer. Oh. <laughs> Sarah. If you get this right, you're pretty <laughs> I have a new idea, but this book's popped into my head, so I'll go for The Life of Pi. The Life of Pi is an incorrect answer. <laughs> so, Tracy, you got a lifeline there. <laughs> okay. um, uh, the Kite Runner. The Kite Runner yeah. is an incorrect answer. Lara. Um, Station Eleven. Station Eleven is an incorrect answer. 
Go on for a while. Uh, oh goodness, the book thief. The book thief is an incorrect answer. What was so? What's the years again? Just I don't onwards. Okay, um, I'll guess the testaments then. The testaments is an incorrect. The mirror and the light. The mirror and the light is an incorrect answer. Sorry. Um, I let you go. I let you go is an incorrect answer. <laughs> Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hamnet. Hamnet is an incorrect answer. <laughs> Um, milkman? Milkman is an incorrect answer. Um, You're doing really well on the book list, <laughs> is what they did in the first semi-final. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, my mind's gone completely blank. The amount of books I read and I just can't think of it. Um, someone recently called Brown Sugar. Brown sugar yeah. is an incorrect answer. I think you're thinking of burnt sugar, which was oh, on bye -bye. which was on the book of shortlist last year. Right. <laughs> Sarah. The wall. The wall. I think I'm getting mixed up with Booker Mind. I think pretty sure it was a Booker one, not a Costa. The wall, is, the wall is an incorrect answer. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Girl, woman, other. Girl, woman, other is an incorrect answer. You did say children's books were included, didn't you? So let's go for, I don't know, Gangster Granny. Start <laughs> guessing wildly at kids' books. Gangster Granny is an incorrect answer. <laughs> I, I know for a fact that both of you will know some of the answers. <laughs> I'm struggling to think of any books right now, let alone. <laughs> One from this category. Um, the binding. The binding is an incorrect answer. Um, capital. John Lancaster book. I'm guessing wildly. <laughs> capital is an incorrect answer. <laughs> we may have to go to a tie break here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, the beekeeper of Aleppo. The beekeeper of Aleppo is an incorrect answer. Um, I'm going to get this title wrong possibly, but I think it's called The Secret Life of Cows. I've never heard of it, but I like the sound of it. <laughs> Secret Life of Cows is an incorrect answer. <laughs> Queenie is a correct answer. Yay. <laughs> it's a first, it was nominated for the first novel award in 2019. Sarah, you need to get this oh. right. <laughs> I mean, the odds are not in my favour here, but <laughs> um, oh, I'll go for a man named Uwe, but I don't think that will be on it. <laughs> I just like the book. Man named Uwe 
is an incorrect <laughs> Well done, Tracy. You've made it through to the final. I'm not quite sure what are with those answers. But... <laughs> we'll be facing off against, uh, against Catherine, who it was also slightly shocked to find herself in the final. <laughs> so, well done. You could have had um, books such as The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, Crossfire by Mallory Blackman, Eleanor Oldman is Completely Fine, My Name is Leon, The Essex Serpent, um, from kids' books you had things like uh, Listen to the Moon by Michael Morpurgo, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and The Chamber of Secrets would have been, would have been acceptable answers. Well done, Tracy. And thank you to Sarah and Eleanor for, for taking part. So that is the second semi-final done. Well done to Tracy. She joins Catherine in the final. Who knows what will happen? Well, not me because I haven't recorded it yet, but it will be happening at some point over the next week. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it now because uh, I feel like I've been building up to this moment all year long. Uh, if you would like to take part in the Pagemaster quiz next year, if you feel like you could have named a few more Costa Prize winners, then maybe this is the quiz for you. Get in touch, Bert, at burtsbooks.co.uk or DM me on Twitter or just holler outside my window if you know where it is. Just let me know if you want to take part and uh, I will put your name on the list for 2021 and you might win £100 worth of books. <laughs> I always think it's funny the way that we decide to pick the book that we read next. Sometimes we think, you know, some, so-and-so has um, told us about it and we trust their opinion, so we'll read it. Uh, sometimes we just see a cover that we really like and we, we pick it up. Uh, this one that I read next was actually uh, ordered by a customer. And as soon as it came in, I looked at it and I thought, yeah, I want to read this. I want to know. In fact, even before then, because I actually ordered two, one for her and one for me. It's called Fortune Favours the Dead, and it's by Stephen Spotswood. It came out last month. It's been Radio 2 uh, book club pick, but I've got to say I hadn't heard of it before. Um, here's the blurb for you. New York, 1945. Lillian Pentecost is the most successful private detective detective in the city but her health is failing she hires an assistant to help with the investigative legwork willow jean parker is a circus runaway quick-witted and street smart she's a jack of all trades with a unique skill set she can pick locks blindfolded wrestle men twice her size and throw knives with deadly precision all of which come in handy working for miss p when wealthy young widow Abigail Collins is murdered and the police are making no progress, Pentecost and Parker are hired by the family to track down the culprit. On Halloween night, there was a costume party at the Collins mansion, where a fortune teller performed a seance, which greatly disturbed Abigail. Several hours later, her body was discovered bludgeoned to death in her late husband's office. Problem is, the door to the office was locked from the inside. There was no one else in the room and the murder weapon was beside the victim, the fortune teller's crystal ball. It looks like an impossible crime, but Pentecost and Parker know there is no such thing. So, this book is a 1940s detective novel, uh, locked room mystery. It's, 
I don't. I think if you've read these sort of books before, you already know how the um, murderer managed to lock the door from the inside, and you know it's not a. Uh, it's not a complete mystery that. Um, but what is the mystery here really is who done it and why, and we see all of this from Willow Jean Parker's point of view and it's told a few years after the event so the, the kind of the premise is that willow jean is sitting down to write out the adventures of her and uh miss pentecost lillian pentecost um we get their first meeting and then we get this mystery and they are it's not her first mystery willow jean has been with lillian pentecost for a while by this point a couple of years um, but it's probably the one that she sort of thinks of as being most personal and the one that it, it, it's sort of the most important one. And we kind of get the promise that we'll get more. And in fact, the blurb says this is the first in a brilliant new Pentecost and Parker series. So uh, somebody somewhere must know that we're getting more, which will be really good because I, I, I did enjoy this. Um, I really liked the setting and I really liked Willow Jean as well and what was what I found really interesting about this was uh, very early on I had a a very clear vision of who Willow Jean Parker was she was uh, um, there's a character this is gonna make you laugh there's a character in Neighbours at the moment uh, and she is I've forgotten her name um, there's a character in and she is called Nicolette. She is uh, um, a young woman, sort of red hair, kind of um, tomboy-ish. She wears dungarees, that sort of thing. I mean, she is a lesbian. Um, and so she ticks, she's ticking all of the sort of uh, stereotype boxes. Um, and she's got the short red hair as well, like I said. Um I found out throughout this book um, that Willow Jean actually ends up looking a lot like her, which was uh, a lucky guess. But also, um, Willow Jean is probably as, I guess, sexually fluid is the way to, to say it. Which, in New York in 1945, wasn't exactly... Um, wasn't something you could come out and, and, and say that you were. It was probably easier for women than it was for men, um, but it was still very much uh, frowned upon. Um, but she's quite open about it, um, whereas other characters sort of suggest to her maybe she shouldn't be. Uh, Lillian Pentecost, for instance, we don't really know anything about her personal life. Um, all of this is told from Willow Jean's point of view. Lillian Pentecost is this sort of unapproachable, but still close friend. So she is very much her boss, but they are there is this respect between them and um you know they, they're definitely close, but it feels like that Willow Jean doesn't really know much about Lillian's history. But Lillian Pentecost, she might be, I don't know, she might be a lesbian too, she might not be, but she certainly fulfills the stereotype. She's this sort of slightly eccentric older lady, she wears suits, um, 
which they kind of really didn't do um, back then. So there's a few indicators, but then there are indicators to the contrary as well. So we we don't really know. Um, but if she is, she's keeping her cards very close to her chest. Unlike Willow Jean, who is this younger woman who kind of feels like that uh, she should be allowed to be who she is. Um, it's not a massive part of the story, but it's it's not a secret either it's not uh hushed up um and that was kind of what i liked about that side of things it's this way of doing uh sort of inclusive fiction um in certain um time frames without being uh without being a, a betrayal to that time frame it fits in completely with what was going on but it also uh, allows this character to be who they are and not make an issue of it. This isn't the issue of this story. The issue is the murder of Abigail Collins, of which I'm not going to tell you very much more because it will ruin the mystery. Uh, I did work it out, um, but I don't know if uh, we were supposed to. Um, there's a once once it's been revealed, Willow Jean actually kind of makes reference to the fact that. We probably worked it out. So, um, but then I feel like if I was a crime writer, I'd, I'd definitely put in there uh, uh, something of, uh, oh, well, it, anyone could have worked it out because um, then it kind of gets you out of it being too easy if it was too easy. But I didn't necessarily get the full reason for it, though I did start to figure it out. But I think I started to figure it out when you were supposed to figure it out, if that makes sense. Uh, Fortune Favours the Dead by Stephen Spotswood. It's available in hardback now. It's coming out in paperback next year. Um, I would definitely recommend you read it. It's a, it was a, it was a fun book. It puts you in this sort of fun time frame. Um, but it also introduces you to these two characters, Lillian Pentecost and Willow Jean Parker. Um, that, that will really stay with you for a while, I think. And, if there isn't already, this has got TV series written all over it, screaming for it, these two characters are. Uh, and if they do end up doing it, the woman from Neighbours, I think, should play Willow Jean. So there you have it. Uh, that is uh, Fortune Favours the Dead by Stephen Spotswood. It's available to order in hardback on birthbooks.co.uk right now. It is time for my favourite part of the week. It is, of course, the bestseller charts, and we are getting closer and closer to the end of the year. There are just three weeks left of uh, charts to find out just who is going to be the Christmas number one. There is, in fact, one new entry this week and one re-entry. The new entry is from uh, Ian Hislop. It's the latest Private Eye annual. It's been out a few weeks already, probably came out in September, I imagine, but it always rocks up into the uh, top of the charts close to the end of the year. I think it works as a very good present for that annoying uncle in your life. So I expect Meryl to be getting me one um, very, very soon. Uh, <laughs> will it end up at number one? Uh, or will A Promised Land by Barack Obama still be there for its third week? Perhaps Thursday Murder Club or David Walliams will have made it up to the top spot instead. There is, of course, only one way to find out, and that is by using data sourced from Nielsen Bookscan's Total Consumer Market Panel Chart. At 10, down one place, it's The Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Deep End by Jeff Kinney. But new in at 9, it's The Private Eye Annual by Ian Hislop. And at 8, it's a re-entry for The Del uh, Del of a Life by David Jason. 
At seven, up one place, it's The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse by Charlie Mackesy. And at six, also up one place, it's The Ichabog by J.K. Rowling. At five, up one place, it's The Chuggy Bane, the Booker Prize winner by Douglas Stewart. And it's no move at four for the Guinness Book of World Records. At three, down one place, it's Codename Bananas by David Walliams. And The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman is up one place to two. Which means that a promised land by Barack Obama is at number one for a third week running. One of those three, A Promised Land, Thursday Murder Club or Codename Bananas will end up being the Christmas number one and I suspect it might end up being Barack Obama which would be nice because his wife, Hil- uh, Hillary, and that wasn't his wife, his wife Michelle Obama, she was Christmas number one last year so they that would be a nice uh, one-two for them. There's only one way to find out and of course that is by coming back to the Burt's Books podcast every week to find out who the latest bestsellers are. I also suspect we might see Hamnet starting to do really, really well as well because Waterstones have revealed that as their book of the year. So that also tends to uh, make it up the charts as well. So it'll be good to see what happens there. Well, that is everything for this week. Uh, Probably a bit shorter than normal. But I've got lots of books to get sorted out this weekend, so uh, I will be getting straight on with those as I sit and watch my Saturday night telly. Uh, I would love to hear from you uh, if you've got anything to say, anything at all. Tell me about your favourite book of the year. If you want to share something with the rest of us, do get in touch. You can email Bert at bertsbooks.co.uk or find me on Twitter. Those are, of course, the places to go if you would like to take part in the Pagemaster quiz next year. Don't forget to come back here ne- this time next week to find out the winner of the Page Master Tournament 2020. One of those lucky women will be getting £100 worth of books. I'm off to sit in front of the telly and just do nothing, um, apart from maybe a bit of work. Um, but I'll be taking it slow. Uh, so I will speak to you all next week. <laughs>